0: This is the word of the Lord from Psalm 78. Listen, my people, to my teaching. Tilt your ears towards the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a proverb, and I'll declare riddles from days long gone. Ones that we've heard about and learned about, and ones that our ancestors told us. We won't hide them from their descendants, we'll tell them to the next generation all about the praise due the Lord and his strength the wondrous works God has done he established a law for Jacob and set up instruction for Israel ordering our ancestors to teach them to their children this is so that the next generation and children not yet born will know these things and so that they can rise up and tell their children to put their hope in God never forgetting God's deeds But keeping God's commandments so that they won't become like their ancestors. Like their ancestors. A rebellious, stubborn generation. A generation whose heart wasn't set firm and whose spirit wasn't faithful to God. I don't want to be those ancestors. And you know, usually we think of the difference between the young and the old, and we think that it's the young who are rebellious. That's our stereotypical view. We tend to think that the ancestors, the older ones, have got it all together. But here's the truth I'm learning as I get older. You get set in your ways. And you can rebel simply by practicing the law of inertia I shall not be moved takes on a different meaning when you're old and you don't want to change your ways and here he says that those ancestors they were the rebellious stubborn generation I couldn't mold them into the kind of people that I wanted but but those who do listen to my voice, I want you to teach the next one, and then generation after generation will always be my generation, says God. And so those of us who are older, we need to start believing in the young. We need to start seeing the potential. It doesn't mean that we accommodate everything they want, by no means. But we teach them, teach them these things, these lessons that we've learned. And let me say to the young ones, listen to the old ones who want to share these things with you. There's something there. It may not even make sense to you right now. But it will be wisdom that you carry with you for years. On Prayer Pal Sunday, we open up the opportunity for you to talk to your prayer pals. Now, if you're not here with a prayer pal, if you're watching us online, what I'd like you to do is just engage in some conversation and it's going to be guided conversation. I want you to engage in some conversation with those who are at home with you. If you're at home by yourself, then let me encourage you to text someone, a family member, somebody that you know. And or write these questions down and talk to them, talk with talk about these questions with someone later. For now, I want you to know that it's okay to talk to one another, especially when it's guided. The reason why we tell you to be quiet often is because we're talking about everything that does not have to do with what we're doing here, but when we talk with one another about the things of God in a guided way, it can actually be very encouraging. In fact, that's just what this psalm talks about is the teaching that goes on, and that teaching happens in worship as well. So I want you to say something. You, you, may, you may not feel like talking, but you can say something. You can just say a word. You can just say a comment. You can say something. We'll, we'll allow that. But I, I bet I bet most of you can can do more than that. Here are your questions. And my prayer pal is a great timer. He's been timing my sermons for me, and yeah, he has. I actually I actually ask him to do that. And uh, and I got my little my my mark, and I'm trying to come in under that line. How am I doing, Nathan? Yeah, yeah. I, you're kind. He is the kindest prayer pal. Um, he's going to set a five minute timer and that's going to give us five minutes to talk to one another about these things. First of all, did someone ever teach you to cook anything? Maybe to put together a meal? And if so, what was it? That's a good life skill, by the way. Have you taught someone yourself how to cook or prepare a meal? And is there a recipe? Can you share that recipe? Maybe you can describe it to one another today and then when you're done with those two questions say something say what you know or or look at scripture and say something about the Lord's Supper I'll be back in five minutes let's leave this screen on the let's leave this on screen for the folks online five minutes begins now welcome back Nathan and I had a great discussion, and one of the memories that it brought up was about my oldest son, Wyatt, who lives in Dallas, Fort Worth. Now, his friend Hayden will remember this that when they were in high school together, you guys used to try to get all your friends to sit at the lunch table together at lunch. Yeah. And there's just, and this is what Nathan and I were talking about, because when we were talking about the Lord's Supper, I said, you know, why do you think he made this moment about a meal about food and drink because food and drink fires our memories and when we sit down at table with people we feel like we're close to people when we sit down at table with people we recognize those people as family and friends Now, that's not exclusive There's certainly times that we've you know been thrown into a, a luncheon and we don't know anybody and we just have to eat and it's just about fueling our bodies. But quite often, sitting at table around food is about more than just the food. And that's what we learn in, about the Lord's Supper. I want to read this scripture to you, and I want you to notice some things, because you've probably heard this a lot. But notice verse 23. Paul says to the Corinthians, I received a teaching from the Lord, which I also handed on to you. Do you remember something like that in Psalm 78? I want you to teach this to the next generation. Teach it to your children. Paul, who sees the Corinthians as his spiritual children, says, I learned this from the Lord, and I taught it to you, and I want you to keep learning this and keep understanding this. This Lord's Supper that we enter into is something that has been handed down to us over the generations. And just like those recipes that somebody taught us how to cook, or we've taught somebody else how to cook, we have this recipe. We have this teaching that has been passed down to us. What was passed down, Paul says, is that on the night on which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. Have you ever noticed it was the night on which he was betrayed? That's as specific as the time frame gets. Because you would think if you're sitting down at table with someone, no one would be there who's going to betray you. And it just makes the betrayal that much more painful. In fact, if it was an enemy that gave him up, it wouldn't be betrayal. It would just be enemy action. Let's not betray the Lord when we come to His table when we sit among His people. After giving thanks, Jesus broke the bread and He said, This is My body which is for you. Do this to remember Me. He did the same thing with the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is the new covenant My blood. Every time you drink it, do this to remember Me. And every time, every time that you eat this bread and drink this cup, You communicate. You pass on. You teach about the death of the Lord until He comes. We're going to sing together and then Scott James and his prayer pal will come and lead us around the Lord's Supper table. Mike mentioned the pieces of artwork the little stones and the other wooden carvings that people that they have at the at the at the house in Rochester and what he was telling us is that's a little token that just opens up a conversation to talk about God and to talk about Jesus and you know we have those tokens all around us all the time and we may not realize it and this is a good opportunity This is why I encourage some of you, bring some coins with you. Reach into your pocket, reach into your purse, reach into whatever you have. See if you have any coins with you today. If not, I've got some up here on the screen. Coins say a lot of things. There's a lot of words planted, printed on there that that we don't even notice half the time. We tend to look at the date. We tend to look at the mint mark. All of them tend to say liberty. Sometimes they have stuff carved around the edge. But there's four words that every piece of U.S. currency will have. Let me hear from some prayer pals. What are those four words? In God we trust. In God we trust. That means that when you just have a penny in your hand, you've got a conversation starter about the most important thing anyone can ever talk about. And and just like that little piece of artwork that they get into conversations with people about, this is a good way for us to talk about God, and what we know and what's been passed down to us. Because in God we trust is a very short statement, four words, but there's a lot of conversation that can come out of those four words. So my prayer pal is going to set another five minute timer, and this time we're going to give you four questions thinking about that idea of trust what does it mean to trust maybe we should start by looking at examples I wonder if you and those around you can name a young person an example of a young person and an old person in scripture who trust in God and that might be a good example of what trust in God looks like and then here's the question that you may not have enough time to answer this today But maybe you can answer it over a meal. But maybe you can give some kind of answer. Like I said, say something. Why do you trust in God? We need to be able to answer that. Because people want to know, well, do you trust in God? Tell me why. Give me a reason. And then say something about the gospel, the good news. And say something about your baptism. If you've been baptized, then what can you tell us about the meaning of that baptism? Maybe why you were baptized. What that baptism continues to mean to you. If you haven't been baptized yet, then ask a question about baptism. Just say something about baptism, whatever it is that you know. And let's have a short conversation. Have we got five minutes ready to go? Then your time begins now. Welcome back. Who's a young person that trusts in God? Who? I'll accept David. Um, I guess Noah was relatively young, if you compare him to Methuselah. What were you going to say, Gabby? Young person. No? You got it. Yeah. David. David fighting Goliath. Yeah. Josiah. A good one. He's the boy king. Yes. Yes. See, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Jacob and Joseph. We mentioned jo- Joseph. In fact, you could get Joseph, and both would be right, because he and Daniel. You know, he, he's a young person, and then even when he's old, he trusts. Him. Okay, who's the old person that trusts in God? Job. Okay, who else? Abraham. Classic. Yep. Noah. Yes. At six hundred, he was just in his prime. At six hundred, you know, he's. He's half, middle, mid, middle life. Yes. Methuselah. Well, yeah. He's he pretty old. Um, yeah, good, good answers. I love how skilled our people are. Keep it up. Keep it up. And keep having these kind of conversations. Now, it's a little more personal when you ask, well, why do you trust in God? And I hope that those conversations continue. I want to share a little bit about what we talked about i want all of you to know i trust in god because i have learned to lose trust in so many other things yeah and it sometimes and young people if there's something you want to learn from the old ones just learn this don't put your trust in things that are going to fail you and there's some of us who have some lessons in that now if that le- if we're telling you that to discourage you or to make you more cynical then move on by that's just that rebellious stubborn generation that's what we're acting like we're acting like the ancestors but if the message is don't trust in these things trust in God put your trust in God then you are definitely in the spirit of Ecclesiastes which is what our college students are learning about on Wednesday night I asked if you could say something about the gospel and then say something about your baptism let me share something with you about the gospel this is another one of those examples of Paul passing on to his spiritual children something that was given to him. In 1 Corinthians 15, I know that there are four books that we call Gospels. I know that the Gospel sometimes refers to the Word of God, the whole Bible. I, I understand that. In its truest sense, Gospel means good news. It means the the good news word the good news message and that message is underlined here in 1 corinthians 15 and paul is saying to the corinthians brothers and sisters i want to call your attention to the good news the gospel that i preached to you which you also received and in which you stand meaning they put their trust in the gospel you're being saved through it, if you hold on to the message that I preached to you, unless somehow you believed it for nothing. I passed on to you as most important what I also received. And here he is, passing on that which he had received. Christ died for our sins in line with the Scriptures. He was buried, and he rose on the third day in line with the Scriptures. you got little parts right there. Died in line with the Scriptures, died for our sins, buried, rose on the third day, in line with the Scriptures. And then there are witnesses. People saw it. He appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at once. These weren't just random sightings. There's an assembly of 500 who saw him. Most of them are still alive to this day, though some have died. He's writing that in the first century. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as if I was born at the wrong time. I'm the least important of the apostles. And I want you to notice something. Paul himself says he's the least important of the apostles, but even the least important person can share the most important message. And that's exactly what he's reminding them of. He says, I don't deserve to be called an apostle because I harassed God's church. But I am what I am by God's grace. And God's grace hasn't been for nothing. In fact, I've worked harder than all the others. That is, it wasn't me, but the grace of God that is with me. So then, whether you heard this message from me or them, this is what we preach, and this is what you've believed. This is what you've put your faith in. That is the Gospel, the good news. That message. Now you'll see it come up in different Scriptures in different ways, but it is that message about Jesus Christ who died for our sins, He was buried, He was raised on the third day, and He still lives and there are witnesses to it. And those witnesses have passed on their eyewitness testimony to us, and that same good news message is passed on to us. It's good news because, well first of all, it has to be news. Somebody will hear it for the first time, maybe because you tell it. Maybe because you have a coin in your hand and you say, you know, have you ever wondered what it means when these coins say, in God we trust, and then a conversation starts? Maybe parents, you're talking to your children about it. Children, you might be talking to your parents about it. Family members, you might be talking about it with one another. Sometimes kids want to know, when can I get baptized? Sometimes you might need to talk to an older kid and ask them, well, when were you baptized and why? Because if you're not sure if you're ready to be baptized as a young child, then maybe you haven't thought about it enough. You've underthought it. And you need to, to get to that point. I asked my prayer pal about that, and he said, when I finally got to the point that I realized... I could do nothing but be baptized. I was ready. I said, that makes a lot of sense. Because you knew you couldn't go any longer without it. That means that you're ready. You're not just doing it to be seen or because you learned how to swim or because you just don't want to miss out and you, you want some attention. Some of us who are older and haven't been baptized, sometimes we're overthinking it. We're overthinking it and we're wondering, well, am I doing it the right way? Am I at the right time and all that? Listen, it's a yes or no choice. Are you going to follow Jesus or not follow Jesus? It's as simple as that. But wherever you're at on that, you need to be talking to people. And we, we, need to, we need to have an understanding because the Spirit works with us as a people and gives us understanding. And that Christ, that Jesus, who is still alive and with us, He makes it clear to us because in baptism we're united with Him. Generations come and go. The young will follow the old. But God is always the same. And all of us, young and old, have the same Savior, Jesus Christ. People, a hundred years ago, we can talk about how different it was, and maybe they were better than us, or maybe they were that rebellious generation, but they had the same Savior that we have. We can talk about how our culture and the people today have lost their way, but guess what? They've got the same Savior that we do. We can talk about the young people and talk about how they don't have manners and respect anymore, but guess what? They have the same Savior that we do. And in the first century, all those witnesses, Cephas, James, Paul, who harassed the church, had the same Savior that we do. See in a theme there? Jesus Christ. That's the one in whom we put our trust. And that's the truth that we pass along about Jesus, and it's the most important truth. If we're ever wondering, you know, what, 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 what matters most? What matters most? Paul says, this matters most. Because in Corinth, they had a lot of questions about a lot of things. And some of those things were really clear and easy to answer. And some of those things he said, I'm going to have to let you decide this, but I'm going to give you some some teaching that's going to help you. But at the end of his message to them, he says, now what's going to answer everything is I'm going to take you back to that which is of most importance. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, that which I passed on to you as most important. That Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried in line with the Scriptures. He was raised on the third day in line with the scriptures, and people saw him risen. And so, because of that, and because we believe that that is that important, those of us who've been baptized, we have put our trust in God and we are submerged into the life of Jesus through baptism. We're washed in baptism. We're made whole in baptism. We die to sin. We raise up out of the water in newness of life. There's so much meaning in baptism. And all of that meaning has its connection in Jesus Christ. Because baptism isn't just something that we do to save ourselves. Certainly not. But it is something that we do to submit to the Savior who saves us. Prayer pals, this may be one of the things that you discuss in the days ahead. And we want every young person or every unbaptized person to know, we don't mind talking about this. We're glad to talk about it. Don't let anybody give you a shock or gasp if they say, you mean you haven't been baptized yet? That's just judgment. We're not worried about that. We want to talk about these things, because even those of us who've been baptized, we need to be thinking about what our baptism means and why we put our trust in God. Because sometimes we look back at it and we say, you know what? I was baptized, and I'm a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. And sometimes we need to remember that. Well, while we sing this last song, maybe you need to talk to your prayer pal. Maybe you need to talk to somebody else. Maybe you just need to open up the conversation on baptism. I want you to know that whether you come down here and talk to me or somebody else or those who are right around you, we want to be real and open and honest about that and have conversations about it just like we have. Because some of you are probably ready. Some of you need to be thinking about it. Some of you might be overthinking it. But it gets back to that which is most important. Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, He was buried... In line with scriptures? Yep. He was raised on the third day in line with the scriptures. Witnesses have seen him. Many of us have experienced his presence. You can too.